Welcome to this episode of Inside Publishing, the series where we interview industry experts on everything publishing. This time, we'll be talking to Angela Gilchrist from the People's Friends about publishing podcasts. She'll be talking about her experience as a podcast host for Reading Between the Lines and how podcasts can work with the future of the publishing industry. Angela, thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we get into the questions, could you give us more information about yourself and your work with the People's Friend? Hello, Avery. Yes, thank you for having me today. I'm delighted to be here. Uh, My name is Angela Gilchrist, and I'm the editorial director of the People's Friend magazine. So that means I'm responsible for all of the editorial aspects of both the print magazine and its various digital forms. one of which is our podcast, Reading Between the Lines. Okay, wonderful. Uh, What inspired the People's Friend to create the Reading Between the Lines podcast? Well, Reading Between the Lines um, has been quite a long time in the making. We've been talking about the podcast for for quite a while. Um, And this really dates back to when we did the research for our 150th anniversary, which was in 2019. Uh, As part of that, we spent a lot of time in our archives department at DC Thompson looking through 150 years of history of the People's Friend, and we found a wealth of quality material in our archives. Um, And what we did with that was create two special anniversary publications about the history of the magazine and its fiction over 150 years. And the way that those were received by our readers showed us that there was a huge appetite for those archive stories from the past. So we were thinking about podcasts as they started to become more popular and we knew we wanted to create one for The Friend because over 153 years of our history, we've always looked for new ways of bringing fiction to a mainstream audience. And so at that point, all the ideas came together that we had this treasure trove of stories in our archive and we had a new format that could potentially allow us to bring those to an audience that would would appreciate them. So, So that's where the idea came from. It was due in no small part to our previous digital content editor, Ian, who was really the driving force between, behind bringing Reading Between the Lines from concept to reality. And he was helped with our podcast guru at DC Thompson, Chris Finn. So a lot of people went into this, a lot of thought and effort, um, but hopefully it's paid off. Mm, yeah. And the two episodes that I listened to seemed, well, the stories in them seemed quite old. I think one of them was from 1910. The ones I listened to were The Cloud First at Pine Creek and To Catch the Post, and they Mm -hmm. both had very similar criticism when it came to characterization and story development. And I was wondering if this is common with submissions from earlier decades. That's an interesting question. Um, It's certainly been the case that some of the stories from the 1910s that we featured on the podcast have probably lacked the depth of characterization and plot development that we look for in our stories today. But there could be many reasons for that, I think. Um, It might just have been what readers of the time liked, because editors always try to give their readers the content that they will enjoy. And it might also be because there were far fewer mediums for storytelling at the start of the 20th century. And so I suppose it was by its very nature less developed as a craft. There was no radio, TV or cinema, so people were not as familiar with storytelling. And another reason might be that the stories in general that were in The People's Friend were much longer in those days than they are now. 
Um, I think probably modern audiences don't quite have the attention span of those in the 1910s. So we've had to be quite selective in our choice of material for reading between the lines. And we do tend to pick shorter stories so they don't take too long to read out loud. It might be that longer stories from the 1910s do have more characterization and plot development in them. It just takes the writers many more words to, to, to make those things come to the fore. So um, I think there's, there's quite a lot going on there, but it is interesting to compare taste then and taste now. Yeah, definitely. And another point that was brought up was uh, the differences between accepted submissions and the evolution of short story publishing since these older stories. Uh, has the structure of short stories changed over the past few years or does this indicate a change in readership? Well, it's another tricky question, isn't it? Um, it's difficult, I think, to judge stories that were written to appeal to the taste of an early 20th century audience by the very different standards that we have today. But of course, that doesn't stop us doing it and reading between the lines and having lots of fun with it too. Um, but I think maybe a little bit of both might be going on here. I think audiences in 2022 are much more sophisticated in what they expect from storytelling because our whole culture is completely saturated with it. It's, you know, stories are everywhere on TV, radio, podcasts, etc. But we still have an awful lot of bad of examples of really bad storytelling um, these days as well. I'm sure we can all think of many of those. The audience that the friend, though, is speaking to is very different now from what it was in the 1910s. And that, I'm sure, is a factor, too. So, for example, it wasn't really until the outbreak of World War I that the Friends started its shift towards being a magazine for women. In its early days, it was very much designed to be a publication for the whole family. So that's, that's another point of difference. And also in the very early issues, so maybe even a little bit earlier than the 1910s, maybe going back to the 1870s, there's clearly an expectation that the stories are designed to be read aloud which I think would reflect both the financial considerations of the time, because one copy would be shared between many people who wouldn't necessarily be able to afford a copy each, and also the fact that universal literacy was still in its infancy. And that's one of the things I always remind myself of when I'm looking at the very early issues. It was only a few years after school had become compulsory for all. So being able to read was still considered to be a real privilege um, and a real treat as well. So really hard to judge, I think, you know, what stories were like back then and, and uh, from our viewpoint. Mm, yeah, uh, it's really interesting that um, you mentioned that the readership has changed mostly to a female audience because there were some points in the stories that I listened to that definitely haven't aged very well in terms of um, feminism and stuff. I think that's inevitable, isn't it? When you're looking back on stories over 100 years old, I don't think the people's friends' stories would be alone in that. Um, yeah, it's it's a completely different time, um, completely different culture and set of considerations. Um, once we get to the, the First World War and the, the magazine does become much, much more focused on women and helping the women who were left behind to navigate their way through um, running the households and doing all the things in life that, that hadn't been there preserve up until then I think it becomes it becomes much more interesting from a, a female point of view um, definitely. Mm. Uh, when I was researching um, this episode I noticed there's a lack of other Scottish publishing podcasts um, a lot of the podcasts I did find were out of date some of them hadn't posted for over a year why do you think that is? 
I honestly don't know. I, I find it baffling. Um, I can't imagine why there isn't more interest in Scottish publishing because it has Scotland has such a vibrant, distinctive canon of literature and it goes right back to medieval times and it continues right up until the present day. Um, there's so much good literature coming out of Scotland and always has been. Um, so why more people are not talking about it, I don't know. Lots of people are reading it. Maybe they're too busy reading it to talk about it. Um, but maybe it's because we're just not very good as a nation about talking ourselves up. I, I wonder if that's what it is. Possibly. I think it could potentially have something to do with the London bubble as well. Like yep. how, well, obviously not all of UK publishing happens in London, but it just seems by conversations that I've had, that's all that really gets talked about. And it's interesting, you know. It, it's a pity as well, isn't it? You would think that it might have changed with having a, a Booker Prize winner from Scotland as well, but um, maybe maybe we'll catch up. Mm. Um, how can publishing podcasts benefit people working in the industry and publishing hopefuls? Well, I think they're a great way to promote our industry um, and show that it's keeping up with changing tastes and new formats and technologies because, well, podcasts are quite new still, aren't they? And, uh, you know, I think it's important to show that we can keep up to date with with technology and formats as they change and evolve. And I think that increasingly, because I know it is the case in, in the sector that I work in in magazines, publishers will be looking for journalists and editors and other publishing professionals who have podcast skills in addition to all the other editorial experience that they have because I think it's only going to become more important that people are able to, to um, take part in podcasts and put together podcasts um, in the future. Mm -hmm. I think um, podcasts could be really helpful for publishing hopefuls especially um, just to give more information on how to get into the industry and what it's like to work in a publishing house. That's something I know I would have really appreciated when I was looking for a job. There's something about the format that really appeals to people, isn't there? I think it's the fact that there's focus and they're also reasonably bite-sized as well. So they're they're easy to listen to. Um, I do think it's a great way to get information across to people. You're right. Mm -hmm. uh, the People's Friend is mainly aimed at older readers. How have they responded to the Reading Between the Lines podcast? Oh, gosh, very enthusiastically. <laughs> um, there's great love for our archive stories, as I've already said. And I think the audience as well really enjoy the friendly banter between our panellists. Um, it makes them feel part of our community, which we know is hugely powerful with our readers. And one great benefit that we've seen is that the podcast has actually been encouraging people to take out a subscription to the print magazine, um, which was something that was a little bit of a surprise to us, but in a very nice way. Um, we included a promotional code for subscribing at the end of each episode, um, really because we thought it was a it was a good thing to do. But actually, we've we've seen excellent take up of that code, so that's been a nice little bonus as well. And it must show that people are enjoying what we do if they want to to consume more of it. Mm -hmm. And when I was listening, I did notice you have a bit where like you ask your readers to describe what they look for in a friend. I thought that was a great way to integrate your audience into like yeah. the actual production of yeah, the podcast and the magazine itself they really like to feel involved they like to feel they, it's part of the friend family you know that's what we talk about and that really is the case that it does feel like a family between the magazine and the readers it's lovely mm -hmm. um how have you promoted your podcast and has the older audience been a barrier in that sense so 
Yes, we've done lots of promotion in the magazine and online. And we've been really careful from the onset to from the outset to explain clearly what a podcast is and to make it as easy as to access as possible. So, you know, going back a couple of years, it was quite a new concept for some of our readers. And I think there was a little bit of uncertainty as to what a podcast was and how you could actually access one. And we found things like, you know, just being really clear and and posting the link as well, instead of just saying, get it where you usually get your podcast, has been a much easier way for people to access the podcast. Um, so just being really careful around the messaging and being really clear in explanations has definitely helped. And I would say that our readers are mainly aged 60 plus, and they're perhaps sometimes slightly later adopters of new technology and formats in younger age groups. But once they try and they, they understand what they're trying to do and they give it a go, then then they're off and, and running with it, you know. So it's just a case of making sure that people understand what you're you're suggesting they should do and why they should do it and making it as easy for them as possible. So I don't think it has been a barrier. Um, it's just been more a case of being careful to handle it in the right way for our particular audience. Mm. I think transparency about um, where to find episodes and just making it easier for people to understand uh, exactly how to find it is really important as well. Definitely, definitely, because it's really confusing, isn't it? Depending on which platform you might be using, you know, are you on a, are you on a Mac or are you on a PC or are you using an iPad or, or are you on your phone? You know, there's all sorts of different ways to, to, to be accessing podcasts, and sometimes people can get a bit confused. So we just try and take the confusion out of it, make it as easy as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think the future of publishing and podcasts might look like? Oh, huge question. (laughs) Um, Well, this is purely my own um, view, of course, um, based on nothing other than my experience and a hunch as well. But I would say that at the moment we're in a bit of a transition period. Um, I think print is perhaps losing its place with some audiences, particularly in the magazine and newspaper sectors. And digital ways of consuming content are definitely growing in popularity. So I think there is some sort of adjustments still to happen there before that plateaus out and reaches a a balance but I think the really important thing to remember is that print magazines digital editions podcasts etc they're only methods of delivering content to the audiences they're not the content in themselves so it's the content itself that's important and if it's good it will stand the test of time no matter the format so there may be other formats that we haven't even thought of yet that may come along in the future but they'll still need good content in order to work and to appeal to audiences. So I do think that a good story will stand the test of time. And I think we've proved that with Reading Between the Lines because, you know, when those stories were published in in 1910 or whenever, none of what we consider the publishing landscape today could have been dreamed of. So, but the stories are still there. Mm -hmm. And I think podcasts are a great way for companies to connect with their audiences and their customers um and with the rise of digital publishing and uh audiobooks I think podcasts would be a great way for publishing houses to connect more with the people that they're selling to definitely they definitely are because there is such power in the human voice as well to tell a story I mean it's the oldest way of telling a story isn't it it's just orally um here we can do it um using the very latest in technology, which is rather a nice um, a nice thought, isn't it? 
both the oldest and the newest methods of storytelling coming together. And there's something very nice about just hearing a story told to you over a podcast because it's kind of like hearing it being told to you by a friend as opposed to just reading it alone. That's right. I'm I'm sure, you know, it's it's much more of a shared experience, isn't it? And I'm sure there's there's a reason why people love to read stories to children and, you know, they, they share stories out loud because it's it's we are all storytellers really. Um and that's that's such an important part of being human. Uh do you have any other exciting plans for reading between the lines in the future? Oh, well, at the moment, we're just um, finishing off our second season of Reading Between the Lines. Um, So we've got one more special episode that we're going to be recording uh, just in a a week or two's time, which is um, to promote, really, our new classics collection novel, um, which is a story uh, by a writer called Annie S. Swan, who was very prolific um, in The People's Friend um, in its early days. So we're going to be having a, a special podcast episode looking at that and about her her place in or her the place that she should have in Scottish literary history. But um, like so many female writers has perhaps been a little bit neglected. Um, so that's that's going to wrap up season two for us very shortly. And then season three will be launching uh, later this year, probably in August. So, yeah, really excited um, to continue with Reading Between the Lines um, and taking it from strength to strength. It's already been named Podcast of the Year at the PPA Scotland Awards, so we're hoping to get further industry recognition as well, which would be the icing on the cake. Mm. And do you think you'll go through all of the old people's friends' stories in the podcast, or are you just choosing the ones that you think look best? Um, I th- <laughs> there, there is so much material in the People's Friend archive that I, you know, we recorded an episode every day from now. I don't think we would we would get to the end of the material um, in the next probably fifty years. So, if you think about a magazine every week for one hundred and fifty three years, each one containing probably at least seven short stories, um, <laughs> there's an awful lot of fiction there to to pick your way through and that's before we even start looking at our specials annuals and other publications so I don't think we're going to run out of material anytime soon Um, but the great thing about that is we can be super selective and just pick out the ones that that we really think will make a good episode you know and there's lots of great stories in there but we're not just looking for a good story we're looking for a story that makes a good episode too with lots of of talking points in it which um, hopefully we've managed to do so far. Well, yeah, that's true, because uh, the two episodes I listened to, some of the, the stories were rated kind of low by some of the hosts, which <laughs> yes, technically is good because that means that there's more conversation. Yeah, definitely. It's it's. I don't know if you're a member of a book club or anything like that, but it's like a book club meeting. You know, if, if everybody loves the book, then it can be quite a short meeting. But if there's lots of debate and, and dissension, then it can always be a much more enjoyable affair. So, um, yeah, sometimes sometimes it's nice to to have lots of different talking points in the, the story. And we're also really lucky. We've got such a great archives team who are so knowledgeable and they can find a lot of the background to the stories and pick out little bits of knowledge that we we didn't know and put names to to previously unknown authors so there's there's loads of scope for for discovery which is exciting mm. and especially with archives it's important to um you know it's it's important to choose stuff that you think is going to create good conversation as opposed to just using absolutely everything because oh, yeah. I, I imagine like stories that have been published since 1910 
Like if, if you just spoke about all of them, it could go on forever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it would be a very long running podcast, which would might be good, you know, but um, yeah, there is a lot of material there. And I think I said earlier that, you know, some of the stories are really long, so they're just not suitable for, for the format that we've chosen, which is a reading and then a, a panel discussion. You know, it would make for a very long episode indeed um, to read some of those stories. Yeah. Well, I think that's the end of my questions. Uh, are there is there anything else you'd like to bring up about the People's Friend or reading between the lines before we end this off? Um, I don't think so, really. I think I would just say that you know, if if anybody out there is thinking about trying a podcast, then I would say just give it a go. You know, you probably won't get it right first time. I would imagine we would look back on some of our early episodes and cringe ever so slightly. Um, you learn as you go, and uh, I think the important thing is just to start. You have to start somewhere. And uh, you just never know where it might lead. Great. Well, thanks for joining us, Angela. And thanks to our listeners for listening to Inside Publishing. I've been your host, Avery Watson. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find more via Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we'll see you next time.